Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. When Suzanne and I were first married and we were living in the seminary apartments, and we didn't have a whole lot of money, and so as we began to put together our furniture for our apartment, one of the things I did was I began to restore furniture. And certainly what I tend to think of when I think of this word restoration first is that sense of restoring something old, restoring it back to its original beauty. And there are a couple of pieces that I did in our basement of our apartment complex there in the seminary. I did a large desk that I bought for like $10 at Salvation Army, a, a beautiful oak dresser that I got for another 5 or $10 there. And then there was a piece that I had, and I had it for a long time, something my dad had given me when I went to college, an old dresser he had picked up somewhere in a used furniture store. And as I began to peel off the layers of that piece, I just found this beautiful wood underneath that I never knew was there and a piece of furniture I'd had for a long time. And it was a reminder of the gift of what restoration is, to take something that that no longer looks good, that feels broken, that might be cast aside, and to find that beauty that lies underneath to restore something to its original beauty, the way God intended for it to be. Another piece that we have that's refinished is this bench that I'm sitting on here today. It's a bench that comes from the church that my dad served in Schenectady, New York, where I was born. First English Lutheran Church, a congregation that was struggling when my dad went there. It was a congregation at another tough point in our country's history, coming out of the late 60s and all of the unrest and the white flight that had happened from the neighborhood where the Lutherans that had been a part of that congregation now lived in other parts of the Schenectady community. And the church was getting run down and was getting smaller and could no longer sustain its ministry. And so they were selling their building to another congregation. And as memento, my dad took this bench with him. And it was one that had been up in the balcony area of the church. And it had been decimated by weather and a, from a leak in the roof. And, and so he took the bench and it sat on our porch at the next house we lived at in Dayton. And eventually my parents had it restored as well. This bench is a reminder again of what beauty can come out of that brokenness and the restorative power of God because that church was sold to another congregation, Refreshing Springs Church of God in Christ. It's an intentionally multi-ethnic congregation there in the Schenectady community, and it's still going on. You can go and see pictures in that sanctuary now of the pews that remain that have the same scrolling on the side that you see on this pew. And you can still see the stained glass, a Luther seal in the window. 
And you're reminded of the ministry that might have seemed so sad to see it close as a Lutheran congregation, but as my dad said, it was also a celebration to know that the community that needed that presence of Jesus, that that community was still going to be served by this other church, and that the ministry of that building that had been forged so many generations before would find new life would find restoration through the ministry of Refreshing Springs. Refreshing Springs now has a history as a congregation that's about as long as Prince of Pieces, and it's a wonderful testament to the restorative power of God that continues to make all things new, even in the midst of the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of our communities. We're at another cultural inflection point as a nation, just as First English found itself in back when the building was transferred over to Refreshing Springs. We're at a time in our country where there is so much division that we lament, and the status quo in race relations will no longer be tolerated by our culture. In fact, it's fascinating. I saw a survey the other day, or a survey that was done back in 2014 when things were breaking loose in Ferguson, Missouri. And the national opinion at that point was that only about a quarter of the people at that point thought that what was happening in Ferguson was more than an isolated incident. The other three quarters of the people in our country thought that this was just an isolated incident the other, and that there wasn't a systemic issue with police violence against people of color in our country. And now, today, when that same question was asked about what's happened in Minneapolis, it's flipped on its head. And now you see three-quarters of the people in our country saying, no, there is a systemic issue that needs to be addressed. We have reached an inflection point. We have reached a point where change must come in the way that we deal with racism and the sins of our, of our cultural history of racism over so many generations. So as we look at our country and the, the challenge that that presents for us, there can be this sense of discomfort for many of us in terms of the way that we think about what will change as we move forward. We know that, that things are shifting and changing for us as a society, and, but how do we deal with that? How do we cope with that? How do we address that change together? And particularly, we as the church, how do we understand how we move forward together as a community in dealing with these changes? And I think for us as the church, the way that we always have to look at change is through the lens of restoration to trust that God is doing a new thing and God will continue to always do a new thing among us. And we can trust that God's grace and God's hope and God's love will shine through those new things and that it's what God desires as we move into the future, trusting in God to guide us as we prayerfully pray for what comes next. I was doing some research into the history of First English, and I came across some 
notes from the Synod Assembly that was happening at that time of the General Synod in 1866. This came right on the heels of the Civil War. It was fascinating to read about what was happening at Wittenberg, which was part of the General Synod at that time, and the report that was made there. But I also found these words so striking in the wake of the Civil War and how the General Synod was looking towards the church, church's future and God's restorative power at that time. They said, The overthrow of the Great Rebellion since our last meeting the deliverance of the land from slavery, which nerved the arm that threatened the nation's life, the disbanding of our armies and the supremacy of law established, furnish ground for hope that the entire church, north and south, when time shall have healed the nation's heart, may again meet upon common ground to labor for the promotion of Christ's kingdom." The deliverances of this synod during those years of strife have proceeded not from a sectional or vindictive spirit, but were inspired by love of truth and freedom, and the earnest purpose as the scriptures enjoin to sustain the powers that be which are ordained by God. Our hearts go out towards our brethren. On the heels of this most divisive moment in the life of our country, our forebears turned their attention and their hope to the restorative power of God, the power of God to make all things new, to restore a land that was divided at that point by a bloody civil war, the same power that we turn to now, to trust in God's power to restore us in community just as God was doing then. Things can seem so overwhelming when we look at them in this larger systemic lens, but we also can then break it down to the personal level. And things can hopefully be much more approachable for us to think about how do we seek God's restoration when we look at them on a more personal level. We look at this story from Acts and Peter and John are going up to the temple. And what's happening there on this interpersonal basis as they approach and meet this paralytic man? Well, the first thing that happens is that they trust in the restoration that's going to come through God's power. They believe that God's going to use them as a source of healing for this man. And this always has to be the place that we start in our faith and trust in God to make all things new. But then there's more to the story as well. It's not simply their trust that is important in this interaction. No, there's also that personal touch. Peter says, look me in the eye. And he looks that paralytic man in the eye to make that real connection with him. And he reaches out his hands and says, take my hands as he lifts him up to restore him into community. This personal touch, this looking in the eye, this sense of we need to be connected in relationship. This is what brings the restoration. I watched an interesting movie the other night called Brian Banks. It's a true story about Brian and his struggle to clear his name after he had been wrongly incarcerated. In the movie, he's now out of prison and he's seeking the help of the California Innocence Project to prove his innocence so that he can have his name cleared of that felony conviction. 
like the paralytic in our story, Brian realized that he wasn't going to be able to be restored to community. And he needed the, the help of the lawyers there to, to clear his name. And he's pleading with them and they keep rejecting him, saying that they are there to help people that are still in prison. And there are so many people that, that they feel have been wrongly incarcerated that they need to help. And so they simply can't help him with his case. And the person, though, as they move along and more and more people that are part of the office there that want to help him, the person that needs to be convinced is the leader of the program, Justin Brooks, the, the lawyer who is the, the spearhead of that organization. And there's a scene where Justin is explaining to Brian that things simply aren't fair, that I under, I know you're innocent, but we can't help all people because the, the, the system is stacked against you. And there's this moment that made me think of the, the story from Acts when when Brian looks Justin in the eye and he says, I know you don't believe in the system, but will you believe in me? And will you trust that we can make this happen because I'm innocent? And Justin has to face that moment like we all have to face at so many times in our lives where we say, do we believe in the power of God to transform what seems to be untransformable? Do we trust in God to have the power through our relationships to heal all things, to restore all things? And Justin says, yeah, I do believe in you. And they go on to have his conviction overturned. It's a beautiful story. I encourage you to watch the movie. Brian's life is restored. He's restored to community. And it's that interpersonal relationship that's what makes all of this happen. And what's beautiful is that it's not just Brian that we see restored. It's Justin who's restored as well. Something deep inside him that had been broken as he'd seen so many people not be able to to overcome the the system that's stacked against them. This is restored in Justin and this special bond is created between the two of them that continues to this day. What a gift it is to be given this healing power in community. This power we have to trust in God's ability to continually make all things new, to restore the world with grace and peace. My prayer for all of us in this time of uncertainty in our country is that we will trust in that power of God for restoration, that we will trust that God will make all things new. So much brokenness, so much division, so much hatred, but God has the power to overcome them all. May we as a community continue to come together, trusting in that power to be God's agents of mercy and healing, and that God may work on us as well, and that God may restore anything in us that is broken as we go on this journey together. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.